0: tad bit is how how sometimes we can look at a really uh, joyous doctrine or a real deep doctrine but doctrine that has many promises to it and just not give it uh, the, the serious deep thought that we ought to give it and so I pray that this week as I have been uh, awakened to take the resurrection of believers literally and to take it joyfully and to anticipate it, amen? That we would, we would see the resurrection for what it is. It's the resurrection of the dead, those that are in Christ, those that are followers of Christ, resurrected to be with Him in glory forever, That ought to make us hopeful and joyful, amen. So let's read the scripture one more time. I've entitled this uh, as as you would think, because that's what uh, most of the highlights in the book say: uh, the Bible, the Sadducees, and the resurrection. Uh, But what I want you to see as a subtitle, and maybe more importantly, what we're talking about—are y'all listening? An eternal life in glory. I can't believe I can't believe that we haven't already turned Pentecostal this morning and shouting. An eternal life forever and ever and ever. Ten thousand years is just the beginning. A life in glory forever. The same day, the same day as what? The same day as he was questioned last week, the same day that he was questioned about paying taxes to Caesar, that very same day they come back to him, another group trying to trap him. There was no rest for our Lord and Savior while he was here on this earth. The same day the Sadducees came to him who say that there's no resurrection And they ask him a question saying, Teacher, Moses said if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. So he goes into this explanation. We don't know if it literally happened or not or he was just using a what if question. The Sadducee that asked the question. We don't know whether it was literal or he was just supposing. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So too the second and third, down to the seventh. And after them all, the woman died. And in the resurrection, did you hear that? The Sadducees say, and in the resurrection, these that do not believe in a resurrection, they said, and in the resurrection, therefore of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. They, She was... She was in the process of officially married to them all. Verse 29. But Jesus answered them saying, you're wrong. Wow. You're wrong and here's why you're wrong. You don't know the scripture and you don't know the power of Almighty God. That should be a hint to us, right? I want to tell you, we don't need to be questioning God unless we've given serious, serious consideration to the scripture that we might question him about for in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage but are like angels in heaven and as for the resurrection of the dead have you not read what was said to you by god now listen carefully to these words now i am i am the god of abraham and the god of isaac and the god of jacob he is today The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Today He is that God. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. Amen? And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at His teaching. So last week we looked at the question concerning paying taxes to Caesar and Christ answered. What was it? Give to Caesar what is due to Caesar, and give to God what is due to God. That's exactly what He said. And this was the first of three attempts to trap Jesus. That's all they're trying to do. They're trying to find some charge to bring him before the Roman authorities that he might be killed. So the first question was, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? The second one that we're looking at today, and, and I think we all should... Think about this because I, I want us to just ask ourselves this question. Have we ever doubted the practicality of the resurrection? I mean, you've got to know the scripture, amen. And you got to have some faith. If it, is it literally going to happen? So, how can a rational person believe in the bodily bodily resurrection? What, what happens? We die, we get put in the grave. A lot of people think that's the end. Will that body literally be resurrected to be one of two places forever? And the third one we'll look at next week. And wow, you talk about good stuff and deep. What is the greatest commandment? And we'll look at that next week. Last week we saw Jesus easily escape the trap that they had set for him. They thought they had him. If he said, pay taxes to Caesar, the, the local uh, Jews that hated Caesar and hated taxes would be offended at him. If he said, give to God what is God, to God, and don't give to Caesar what is Caesar, then the authorities would have him. They thought they had him, but they didn't have him because he answered this way. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. That's a word for us today. And give to God what's due to God. Amen? Still the same answer today so today we'll look at the absurdity now listen to this today we'll look at the absurdity of the belief that mankind made in God's image would be extinguished by death to annihilation like an animal the soul is eternal An animal does not have a soul. That soul is going to live forever. It's going to live forever. So let's look at the text a little more closely. The same day Sadducees came to him, who say that there's no resurrection. They ask him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses said if a man dies having no children... His brother must marry the winner, raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So to the second and third, down to the seventh. And after them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. So y'all all see the circumstances. They ask him who she'd be married to in heaven, who she would be with. Now the Sadducees were a sect, a wing among the Jews, much differing from the Pharisees. Matter of fact, they mostly were at odds with one another. But now we see these two at odds with one another coming against Christ. We talked about that last week. Jeannie and I talked about it this week. Listen, what's going to happen in America is more and more pressure from all different sides is going to become... It's already happened to the church. The church has been under enormous pressure to cave in to all the cultural uh, uh, opinions that are going on. And that same pressure that's been exerted upon churches is now going to be exerted upon Christians from all sides. It's coming. It's coming. These These Sadducees denied the resurrection... They denied spirits. They denied the immortality of the soul. They said it was over with when death came. And they were enlisted by the Pharisees to try and trap Jesus. Y'all see the correlation? They came against Jesus together. Now, it's really interesting that the Sadducees did believe in the law. They believed in the Pentateuch. They believed in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So I want you to see that all of Jesus' answers did not go to church history. It did not go to to the poetry. It did not go to the prophets. It went back to the law that the Sadducees grasped as being the truth of God's Word. He took them to something that they believed in that he could show them where he was coming from. The first one's in Deuteronomy 25.5. So where, does, where, does, where do they come up with this question about who's this woman going to be married to in the resurrection? Look at Deuteronomy 25, five. If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the dead man shall not be married outside the family to a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her as his wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her that she might have offspring with the name of the husband. Did y'all have that scripture? Okay, now, this is called a, a leveret marriage. A leveret marriage. If a woman was married to a man and he died without children, His brother was to give him a child through his wife. Do you understand the law? And that's where they got it. This is where the Sadducees were coming from. Does that answer that question? Okay. Now, they thought they'd put our Savior in a bad spot. But they had not really, had they? Do do, do you not yet grasp this? You can't put an an omniscient, omnipotent, I'm um, uh, omnipotent, God in a bad position. It's an impossibility for a finite man to think that he's going to trap God. It's not going to happen. Now, what they did was to show their ignorance. Y'all know the rule keep your mouth shut, and there'll be people that doubt whether or not you got any sense or not. Open your mouth, and everybody knows what Jesus knew about these Sadducees. They were fools. And they exhibited that. But Jesus answered them, you're wrong. Two problems that they had. You don't know the Scriptures, and you doubt the power of God. Tell me that's not a modern phenomena. Amen? We don't know the Scripture, and we doubt the power of God. You don't think they're not intertwined here? If we knew the Scripture... And if we grasp the scripture, we would believe that we are serving an all-powerful God. No marriage in heaven. No death in heaven. So, if there's no death in heaven, you don't need any marriage in heaven. Because one thing about marriage is repopulate the earth. These are the children of God. Did you hear that? They are children of God by regeneration. They are children of God by having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they are children of God, they are also children of the resurrection. The Sadducees thought if they accepted the teaching on the resurrection, there would be marriages in heaven. Made sense to them. You know, we, we can all think through it, and we all can think, well, some, some, some guys would think, man, I hope we're not married in heaven, and some guys would want to be married in heaven. But the case is, there won't be any marriages in heaven. Do I, do I have any kind of clue what mine and Jeannie's relationship will look like in heaven? I, just, just what little bit we can glean from Scripture, but we won't be husband and wife in heaven. That will be way down on the priority pole in heaven. Relationships here are for propagation and continuance of mankind. But in heaven, this won't be needed. Because those that are there in heaven will live for however, however long they'll live forever. Look at Romans eight eleven. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, who has raised Christ Jesus from the dead, will also give life to your immortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. How's it going to happen? The power of God in you. That's how it's going to happen. Look at Philippians 3.21. Who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. How? By the power that enables Him to even to subject all things to himself. By the power of God, all of those dead in Christ will be resurrected to live forever in glory with him in heaven. Are y'all dead or do you doubt that? Hallelujah! And look, there's not an option here. I'm going to opt out. The resurrection and eternity in heaven, y'all ready, moves against, overcome all of our reasoning abilities. We just can't fathom it. That's what the scripture says. The resurrection and eternity in heaven moves beyond our reasoning skills. We can't comprehend it except in the Spirit of God, understanding and have faith in His Word. We must believe the Word of God. We must believe that God is omnipotent if we are to grasp the reality of the resurrection and an eternity with Him. I guess my question would be this morning because I want to tell you, I'm getting a lot of deer in the in the headlight look this morning. If this is not the way it is, how is it? Have we unbeknownst been influenced by the Jehovah Witnesses that you're just gonna it's gonna be for just a moment and then you're gonna disintegrate and be gone? What does the Scripture say? He says, if you knew the Scripture, if we knew the Scripture, we know that there's a resurrection and we'll live forever in glory with God. We would know that God will raise the dead. Okay, so he says you'll be like the angels. The state of men in the resurrection won't be the same as it is in this life. Are there a lot of things that we don't know? Are there going to be babies? Is everybody going to be adults? Are y'all going to be in the prime of life? Those kind of questions are not answered. Men and women will not die. Maria, Deanna won't have cancer. We won't be worried about the next strain of flu or COVID. Won't be any of that. Perfection, perfect body, no aches, no pains, perfect. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as an Adam, all die. Y'all read that? What's it going to say? So also in Christ, all will be made alive. Hallelujah. Shall, to be made alive, really means shall live with Him. Shall live with Him. Philippians 3.11 That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Well, what, what is that? What is that from any means possible? Only one way to be resurrected the dead. By the power of an omnipotent God. Amen? No other way. Now, all will be resurrected. But in this scripture, and I'm kind of glad it's the case. Y'all hear me? If you'll go back to John the fifth chapter, all dead will be resurrected. Those with Christ, those without Christ. One resurrected to eternal glory forever in heaven with God, believers, followers of Jesus. The others to an eternity in hell. Jesus doesn't cover that here. Neither are we going to cover it here. All that Jesus is talking about in this scripture, all the resurrected saints will be the favorites of his resurrection. Do you not get it? At the resurrection, there's going to be his favorites and there's going to be those who have rejected him. But all we're worried about if we're followers of Christ is what that resurrection is going to look like. Amen? Okay. They shall not die anymore. When we've been there 10,000 years, just as it begun. Now, can I fathom that? Absolutely not, because we are time people. I mean, Henry's two months old. I'm almost 72 years old. We live on a linear time scale. Won't be none of that in heaven. What time is it? (laughs) There won't be any of that in heaven. Won't be none of pulling that phone out and looking at it either in heaven, will there? Wow, maybe you don't want to go. (laughs) Can't take your phone with you. Y'all hear me? Won't be any cell phones in heaven. Mm. They shall not marry, nor be given in marriage. Wow, this is a, this is, as big of an attack this has been on marriage in the recent years, marriage was only an institution for this world. Not for the next world. It will cease when this world is no more. No more marriages. Look at verse 31. And as for the resurrection of the what? And as for the resurrection of the dead. I I think that's a statement in Jesus is really saying, Are you hearing me? As for the resurrection of the dead, it's going to happen. Look what he says. Have you not read what was said to you by God? Listen to this. I am the God of Abraham and the God of Jacob and the God of of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead but the living. That's Jesus added to the scripture from uh, Exodus uh, chapter 33. Chapter 3, verse 6 that we're about to look at. So Jesus adds, and he's not the God of the dead, but of the what? The living. Listen, we are alive in Christ today. Somebody say amen. We will be resurrected to an eternal life forevermore with him in heaven. That's who he's the God of. He's not the God of the dead. Spiritually or physically, he's not. And when the crowd heard it, They were astonished at his teaching. So y'all get this. From the burning bush, that is when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Listen to what he says in Exodus 3 and 6. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. (laughs) Look what Moses did. What? He hid his face. It was more than he could comprehend. Do y'all see in that language, he doesn't say, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, does he? He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So, one thing that Jesus is going to do here, he's going to speak about the doctrine of angels. He's speaking about the immortality of the soul. Immortality of the soul. It was given by God. It will be with God or absent from God in hell forever. God says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Presently speaking. Y'all with me? If God would stand in here this morning, He would still say... I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is not the God of the dead. God has prepared them a city. Hebrews 11, 16. But as it is, it is. They desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. And that city will be ours, theirs, forever. Won't get kicked out for being a bad citizen. Forever. Genesis thirteen fifteen, For all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. Did that happen to Abraham? Did that happen to Isaac? Did that happen to Jacob? Did they get all of that? No, but that will be our inheritance in heaven. The promises were not fulfilled in the earthly Canaan. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob did not live to enjoy the earthly promised land. You know what? Uh, they may have thought about that a couple of times in their life, lifetime. Probably not. You know, they were, they were just as busy with life as we were, we are. They probably never thought about that. But Hebrews eleven sixteen. 16, listen to this. But as it is, they desire a better country. Was, was Canaan, was the promised land, was it glorious? I mean, did they have big clusters of grapes and big bananas and all of that kind of stuff? Yes, but it has no comparison to the city that's being prepared for his But it is, it is. They desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For He has prepared for them a city. Did you know that? He has got us a city prepared. The grandest thing we've ever seen. This was a promised land to be. This city was not prepared just for the souls. I can't imagine a soul experiencing eternal happiness without you being united to the body. The soul and the body, they're separate, but they, they, God surely put them together for a purpose. They labored here in the body. Amen? And, and we probably don't understand how Christ labored and how some have labored before us. They labored in the body. They'll rest and enjoy in heaven a body. But listen, don't worry about it. Well, I'm not sure I want that. It won't be a body that's got any problems. No high blood pressure. No sugar problems. You name it, won't be any problems. It'll be a glorified body, amen? Romans 6.10 For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So what that means, the life that we will live, we will live to God, we will live with God in that life that he's talking about. If he lives to God, he lives with God. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are you all ready for this? At the time of the burning bush, though they had been dead, Jacob for 200 years, right, they lived at that time With God, he said, I am their God, and he was their God. Listen to what it says, the last phrase in this passage. They were astonished at his teaching. You know what they'd heard from uh, the Pharisees? All kinds of nice discourses. They'd had a lot of things taught to them tradition of the elders rites and ceremonies washing of hands before meat and the necessity of washing pots and cups you know that important stuff they'd heard the sadducees denying the doctrines of angels and spirits and the resurrection but now their one stands before them and he teaches and they are absolutely astonished They were hearing someone expound on things such as the soul, the resurrection, and life eternal. I I, I so wish Brother Bob was here this morning, and I'm glad he can listen to it on Sermon Audio, because he he always is saying, we don't talk enough about heaven. We talk about hell, and we talk about this life, we don't talk enough about heaven. And and I think we ought to talk more about heaven. We ought to look at it more, especially any time that we come to it. So they were hearing someone expound on the soul, the resurrection and life eternal. Teaching, now, how was he teaching them? By the very scriptures themselves. Where did he teach them about what marriage was going to look like in heaven? Deuteronomy 25, 5. Where did he teach them about God being the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He taught that from Exodus. He he taught them by Scripture. Listen, I tell the guys in the jail all the time. And and did you know they can listen? It, it, it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. They can listen to it in jail now. It, it's amazing. I, they have access to things online. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> they were astonished at his teaching as Jesus taught from the books of the law. I, I mean... He went back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Right out of the five books of the law he taught them. And they were astonished at what he taught them. I'm ashamed to tell you, I'd never seen this scripture the way it is until I studied this week. He taught them out of Exodus 3, 6 about the resurrection. They were astonished. So, I'm almost finished. Are we astonished today? If we can grasp the resurrection in our minds, if we can wrap our heads, hands around it in our mind, how do we get it here? That it really sinks in. It just becomes a part of who we are. Well, I think it's only by the Spirit and having a desire to know. I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. Again, I want to say, when God spoke to Moses from the burning bush, Jacob had been dead 200 years. But God did not say, I was their God. Listen, he'll never say to those who have followed him and believe in him and trusted him, he will never say they were my children. We are and will be forever his children. What a wonderful, wonderful promise. God said, I am the God. I am their God. And he is either saying that about you today or he's not. And if he's saying that about you today, he'll never say otherwise. And if he's not saying that to you today, then you need to make him your Lord, your God, your Savior today. So have we really pondered the resurrection and the life that we will have with him? Romans six ten again. Again. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God, with God. That's the life that we're going to live. Now, would we not be blessed to think often and deeply on. I added six points to what we normally talk about. Should we not often think deeply about this life? You with me? We have a life right now, but it is fragile. And it can be gone in a minute. Amen? And while we have life in this body, we have an opportunity to trust Christ. So you you know why God put you here? He put you here to get ready for the next life. All right? Life, death. Did a funeral this week. Guy wasn't but 75 years old. Death, burial, in the ground. For a lot of people, that was the end. But it's not, listen. I don't want to upset you. It might be the end for your cat. But it ain't the end for no human being. Because they were made in the image of God and they have a soul and they all will be resurrected. And then all will face judgment. Some will hear those words, well done, thy good and faithful service, on to heaven. Others will hear that, I never knew you, away from me, you evildoers. That's as certain as I'm standing here this morning. And after that judgment, eternity, one place or the other. And I I tell you, because, because I practice thinking about those things often, They have deeply moved me. And I promise you, if you think about them often, they'll deeply move you. The dead in Christ, with Christ, for how long? Eternally and forever alive. No death in heaven. Y'all get that? Here in this world, listen, here in this world, they're here, right? And then they're gone. Jeannie and I are always talking about it. Did they die? And then we say, wow, you know what that means? We're not far behind. That's just the fact of the matter in this world. Here, right? Gone. Not that way in heaven. Here forever with all the saints, with Almighty God. In some capacity like the angels. But in heaven, and in God's eyes, they are alive and will be forever more alive with Him. The wicked believe in annihilation. Listen to me. And it is an absolute delusion. Nowhere in Scripture, I'm talking about nowhere in Scripture, do I read it and think that a body of a human being made in the image of God is going to be put in the grave and done away with. I can't think of one place in Scripture that would make me think that way. One day, y'all ready for this? The sun, the moon, the stars, great mountains, and deep oceans will pass away. But the weakest babe, the poorest man, will live forevermore with God in heaven. Did I say something wrong in that? Are y'all so awestruck that you can't speak? Let me say it again. But the weakest babe, the, the, the most premature preemie, the poorest, most despicable man will live forevermore with God in heaven. The Nicene Creed has this section. I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. A life in heaven. No hunger, no thirst, no pain, no disease, no death. Marriage and propagation will be needed no more. We'll be something like angels in heaven. Listen to this. You may have these. Look at them. We will serve God perfectly. Hey, you know what it means? We got a little time to get it figured out here, but when we get there, our service of God will be perfection because there's nothing imperfect in heaven. We will serve the Lord without getting weary or discouraged with other people or a little depressed. None of that. We will always be in God's presence. We will always delight to do His will. We will live to give glory to God. Now, man, this has made me do some thinking. Uh, I can't remember if I found this in J.C. Ryle or uh, James Pettigrew, uh, James Montgomery Boyce. I can't remember exactly. But I want you to listen to this. I want to ask you this question in closing. What we've talked about this morning, y'all look at me. Is that what you want? Is that what you want? Would we enjoy that type of life for an eternity. Is God's constant constant company and constantly serving Him pleasant for us now? So is God's constant company and constantly serving Him now pleasant for us? And if it's not, what would make us think it would be then? I'm talking about some serious things to ask ourselves. Would we like to serve God 24-7? When we don't have anything else to do, Standing around the throne, saying, Holy, holy, holy. Along with the angels and the saints, such as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Colossians 3 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, I, I wish Donna was here this morning because this goes along with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. About This is, a, this is reality, right? But it's not yet. Are you with me? This, this, God speaks as it being reality right now, but it's in reality in, in, in the future in God's eyes, but it's not yet. We're not there yet, right? But this is the way God sees it. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Now, here and now. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your eye on things that are above. That's what we need to be doing now. Not on things that are on earth. For look at this. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. He already sees us in that state. We need to... See ourselves in that state and anticipate that being. There is an eternity. And there's no opting out. Are you prepared for eternity? Have you secured your place? There's only one way to do that. Confessing your sins. Confessing your total helplessness. Putting all your faith, hope, trust, and confidence in Christ. His finished work in this life. His finished work on, on the cross. And the power of God to resurrect you. Is that what you're putting your hope in? Have you acknowledged your sinfulness? Have you seen Christ as the only Savior? Have you privately and publicly confessed Christ as Savior and Lord? You remember he said, Peter, who do you say I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Are you living living your life today for God's glory, anticipating that time in which you will live in heaven for His glory. Lord, unless your word went forth with power, unless your anointing falls upon it, not th- one thing's going to happen here today. not one soul will be moved. We pray that by your word and your spirit, you will do with the truth of this message this morning, exactly what you see fit to do for your honor and your glory. for it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.